Salutations, everyone, and welcome to another episode of How You Feeling, a podcast dedicated to exploring emotional intelligence in a practical and useful way. We're so happy to have you with us today. Today, we are jumping into the topic of problem ownership. Uh, this is always a pretty worthwhile topic to cover, especially uh, in our current situation here. Uh, as always, I am your host, Dr. C. I'm so happy to be here to talk. And we're joined by our favorite co-host, Dr. Jeff Haverlin. Jeff, how are you feeling? Well, you know, it's it's been a pretty pretty decent day. Uh, lots of stuff to get done. Got was able to go down and see my parents from a distance. So um, they're they're actually heading south to go on a fishing trip, which I'm not really thrilled that they're going right now. But you know, it is what it is. So. Um, I'm happy. It was good to see them. It was good to have my kids see their grandparents again. It's very weird not having contact and having this weird buffer zone um, with people, you know, mm -hmm. that raised you. But hey, it is what oh, it yeah. is. We're we're following the rules. Um, and so, yeah, I'm you know, I'm feeling very encouraged right now. We've uh, my wife and I have been tackling those places in our house that have not received a lot of attention since we moved in in the fall. And I can finally start to see physical progress. And that's very motivating when it feels like a tidal wave and there's no way out. So, yeah. So today was a good day for me to getting getting stuff organized. Well, good. So, so as we mentioned it's at the beginning, day. we're talking about problem ownership today. And so, Jeff, I'll start with uh, the obvious question on the board. What is problem ownership to you? You know, to me, problem ownership is truly what it says and that um, it's this process where, where you have to really determine when a problem arises, who owns that problem, whether that problem be yours specifically or somebody else or, um, you know, it, it, it comes down to that idea that, you know, whoever is kind of suffering the burden of that problem um, tends to be the one who owns it and therefore needs to do something about it rather than um, pushing that problem off onto other people or or kind of neglecting a, uh, the address of that problem. Um, so it's really just being able to to know where you fit in in terms of um, what you need to do to resolve that that sure. issue or that problem. And so. Um, yeah, so for me, that that's that makes a lot of sense for problem ownership. No, I, I mean, I think the, the, the word that floats around my head when I think problem ownership is accountability. Uh, and I think that we'll certainly get into that more as we get into our questions. But that's when I think about problem ownership, I think um, that, that it boils down to, again, yeah, owning up, knowing that it's your responsibility or or helping the, the others to see whose responsibility it is, that it's their responsibility. Uh, because a lot of times, too, like you said, passing the buck is a very easy thing to do, uh, but that doesn't always lead to the best outcomes. Right. Totally agree. And I like the word accountability. That that makes it much clearer than I was kind of putting it. And so, um, OK, so why do you think it is that, you know, we so, as you know, we really want to just jump into a fixing mode? Um, when we come across problems rather than understand them. Oh, that's a good question. Why do you think that? Uh, is? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to just human nature. And what I mean by that is just, I think humans on the general hate loose ends, right? And if there's a problem, that means there's a loose end. So either two people are arguing with each other or 
a task that needs to get done hasn't been completed yet, or, uh, you know, insert favorite example here. But I think, you know, in the same way that, that humans try to like finish each other's sentences or, or jump right into something without um, having all the directions first, you know, it's, it's just that idea that sitting around idle, you know, the whole idle hands are the devil's work, right? Like, let's just get moving. Um, one of my favorite, favorite things that, that helps really explore this idea uh, is I can remember, I don't remember what grade it was, but I remember getting this worksheet and it had like 31 line directions on it. And the teacher handed it to us and said, okay, you've got 30 seconds to, to respond to all 30 of these questions. And then when you're done, just turn the paper over and I'll know you're done. And me being the eager beaver, started reading it. Step one, put your name on the paper. Step two, you know, draw a square in the top right, whatever it is. And I'm just going through them, going through them, going through them. Never read the directions because the teacher, because the teacher just gave me the directions. <laughs> and of course, in the directions, it says, this is an exercise on reading the directions. All you have to do is put your name on this paper, turn it over and, and, and you're done. And, and when the teacher called 30 <laughs> seconds, like I was still on like question seven or something. I'm like, oh, why did I not get this done? And then, of course, you feel like a dope. And so, you know, that was yep. such a clear, clear parallel to me to say, hey, no, take the time and read the directions, a.k.a. take the time to, to again, listen to learn and figure out what's going on. And, and so for me, what kind of helps me think about it uh, is this, this understanding that largely there's like four categories of problems if you really sort of break it down, right? And so to me, the very first category is what I would call an I problem or a me problem, right? Um, you know, an example being, you know, my room is dirty. I'm having some people come over. I need to clean my room. It's not my roommate or my wife or my mom's duty. It's my problem because it's my room and it's my stuff. Um, the next problem would be uh, another person's problem, uh, you know, a you problem. So we have, again, same scenario, we have people coming over, and their room is also dirty. Well, it's their problem to clean their room, right? Like they would, they shouldn't be asking me to clean their room for them, because it's not my stuff. Um, and again, I'm keeping these examples trivial. So if you want to jump in deeper, you just stop me. So of course, there's a me problem, okay. there's a you problem. Uh, and then the next one is a, a we or an us problem. So, okay, I've cleaned my room and you've cleaned your room. What about the living room and the kitchen? Okay, well, we both live there. We both generate dishes and trash and, and clutter. You know, that's something we need to do together um, because, it you know, that space is shared by us. And then the one that I think we have the hardest time owning or adjusting to is this idea of no problem, right? Like sometimes there just isn't a problem, even though one party or the other is making it feel that way. Um, you know, and I think those are always the tough ones because, you know, like an example of this to me would be something like um, walking into your living room and, and someone, the TV is on and someone's watching TV. Okay. Right. Like you didn't ask to change the channel. They didn't ask you to adjust. The TV is on and someone is watching it. And so I think, um, you know, yep. speaking of the last episode, where we talked about communication styles. Uh, I think the aggressive and the passive aggressive folks could turn that no problem into a problem very quickly. Um, 
but but you know that to me is the toughest one because really sort of breaking that component piece down into the fact that you know this just isn't a problem like it, it's just it's it's an event um so what do you think i missed what what else could we add to that well, I like that that no problem one because while you were talking, I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, no problems can really be a huge problem for people. Um, you know, I look early in relationships with people where, you know, nothing is really happening or um, but you feel like there should be something happening and you're trying to read into stuff that isn't necessarily stuff to begin with. Um, and I think it's very interesting to watch something as benign as uh you know, as being a no problem becomes a huge issue because of how different people are, are reading the sure. context of that situation. And so um, I, I raising teenagers, I run into this all the time where it like what what's happening here is there's no issue whatsoever. But all of a sudden you have a, you know, a 15 year old or a 17 year old poking you in the ribs about something because, you know, they don't like this no problem thing. They want they want to, you know, find something in this, like um, how you looked at them. Wrong. Sure. Well, all you did was look at them. Sorry, my <laughs> RBF was on on high alert that day, you know, but, um, you know, so you just kind of glance wrong and it's like, well, what's wrong with you? Well, there's absolutely nothing wrong. And you just created this this monster. And I, I do think humans, we, we try so much to, you know, be the, be the problem solver and be the hero and be the one who works through all of this stuff. And, and I think it can be problematic because we see smooth sailing sure. sometimes as some ominous um, sure. event that is going to blow up in our face. And, you know, the, the one I really like in here, the, the one piece or the thing that I take away from this with eye problems um that whole use of um, sure. Uh, sure. eye messages in speaking um, has been very profound. Um, in now, our Jeff, family, real quick, can you tell the lot. listeners, because uh, I don't know that we've talked about eye messages in depth yet. Can you tell them what you mean by that? Yeah. So um, anytime that we're, you know, needing to address something with another person, it automatically um, kind of uh, leans toward uh, causing an aggressive problem, you know, where I'm going to talk to you about what I don't like about what you did. Um, and that's problematic because it puts the other person kind of on high alert and they're, they're ready to defend themselves. They stop listening to what's going on and they're just waiting to pounce or waiting for the pause. Well, if we can get into using um, these I messages or I language, you know, where you, you, uh, approach issues from your vantage point you know you know you're a jerk is one way of saying things or saying i really didn't like how i felt when you said that well it is truly almost impossible to argue with somebody who's just saying um I felt this way and I don't like that. And so it's a really, it, it tends to be a less threatening way to approach conversations. I think it helps reduce the amount of anxiety in that conversation. Um, now, can, can conversations like that, you know, take a nosedive? I suppose so, because, you know, there have been times even with myself where, you know, my wife will say, well, I, I don't like that 
I don't like how that made me feel. And then I'll be like, well, I didn't mean it. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to, to stomp on it. But then you realize really quick, I can't, you know, I have no impact on, you know, you know, I can influence what came out of my mouth or what my action was, sure. but, but those are her feelings. She's allowed to have those feelings. And therefore she removes kind of the gunpowder from the situation by using that eye language. And, and we've really pushed our kids to use this when they're trying to problem solve. Uh, my daughter had to go back as a 15 year old girl, going back to talk to your coach can be very, very stressful, especially when you, you are, you, you yourself are stressed. And so getting her to go back, we, we were the whole way. We're like, you're going to do this on your own, but you're going to use these I messages where you need to own what you own. And then from there, you can help problem solve. You can tell this person what you need to tell them. Um, without accusing, without blaming, while still taking full responsibility on your own part. I just think it builds such capital in, in a conversation. Um, but sure, again, sure. not foolproof by any means, but, but it really does help, help tamp down that, that anxiety that could come from a conversation that seems sure. way more. You know, and I thought as you were talking too, and then we can move on, just that idea that it's so important in problem ownership and sort of problem solving that you really take the time to drill down to the core problem, right? Because any core problem can generate any number of auxiliary problems. And those tend to be the ones that people focus on and, and solving those don't get you any closer to solving the real problem. And I think a lot of times as a, I don't want to say a rule of thumb because I don't want to generalize it that, that much. But I think when anytime that I've been dealing with a problem with, with another person or another group of people, to me, I know the core problem. We're getting closer when it's the thing that you're trying to like avoid talking about, right? It's kind of like the, oh yeah, I don't really want to go there. Um, that tends to be a red flag to me that that's actually the core problem. Um, and so I think that's so, so important as we get into this is as we try to assess who owns the problem, well, is that the core problem that needs to be dealt with immediately or is that something that we can table for later? All right, so right. Yep, Jeff, I've got one for you. Um, when do you, what, what sort of situations lend themselves better to you solving the problem on your own? And when should you maybe ask for help? So um, with me personally, I look at this when I should be able to solve a problem. Um, when I should be doing it on my own, you know, this, this comes back. You, I think I've gotten better at this over time because you, you sort of learn, um, you know, that whole notion of accountability and you learn what you are in control of that whole locus of control idea and what, what you can do, or if you have the power to do it. And if it's within you to simply make a change and by making that change, solve that problem, um, then that problem is one that you more than likely can take care of on your own. And, you know, you, you think of it in a really simple thing. You need to take off an outlet plate and you need a, a flathead screwdriver and you don't have one with you. Well, you grab a butter knife and you use that instead and you pull the plate off the wall and life is good. And so, you know, you're, you're just getting that the, you have the resources, you, you are smart enough to figure out the tools to use and you go. And so I think little problems like that um, are very much 
ones that we should be able to solve on our own, where it's within our power. And a lot of times when it comes to this, it, it comes down to, you know, are we sure. capable of changing our perspective? Um, and I, to me, this is such a, I think perspective is just such a critical thing. Um, when we are looking at solving problems, um, you know, I, I'm going to, little bit of a family story here, but when we were in Virginia a few years ago, um, I'm a big, I really like the Appalachian Trail. I like the history behind it. And so we had an opportunity, um, and I can't remember if we were in Virginia or West Virginia at this point, but we were able to get on a piece of the Appalachian Trail and hike it, which to me was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. Well, on our way back up the hill from this really cool waterfall, it starts to pour and pour and pour. And so everybody's drenched. And so I have a wet wife and wet kids and wet me. Um, and, and I, there was this really intriguing thing that happened at that moment where my kids really just started nagging, like going off like crazy. I can't believe we're getting this wet. I can't believe we have to hike this far. This is stupid. And it really gave me this, this look into perspective that helps me out. And I kind of stopped everybody. And I said, okay, Here's a rule of thumb for the rest of our lives that anytime we're together with a group and we are all going through hell, it doesn't help for anybody else in that group to remind us of what we already know. And and so why tell us again? So we have to learn that whole notion of perspective. So if you change your perspective, if as a kid you're walking and you're wet and it's muddy and whatever, if you continue to complain and get angry and make other people angry, does it right. change the situation? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Makes things a hundred times worse usually. And so um, for me, you can solve problems where if it if it's just your perspective, if it's just you needing to take a break and realize that you are in the wrong or that you have the tools within your reach to do something about yeah. it then that's your problem to go after. And, yeah, I, and you know, so I think what would you add to that? One of the things piece? that plays into my mind too is this idea of mindfulness. Um, and I read a really cool article last year uh, about the Japanese education system and how a lot of the schools in Japan don't hire maintenance slash janitorial folks because after every class period is over, the, the kids and the teacher in the class all clean up that room before moving to the next one with the understanding that if, again, we're in that space and we're using it, why should someone else have to clean up after us if we're the one using it? And so I always try to attack problems with that mindfulness point of view of, yeah, would it be easier for me? Like I'll use your uh, faceplate example. You know, would it be easier for me to ask my wife to, if she's closer to head to the toolbox to grab this, the screwdriver that I, that I forgot, um, but maybe she's doing something else or maybe it's, it's, she doesn't know that that's what I'm doing right now. And so let, let me just go and I'll get the screwdriver my, myself. Um, and so I think that's what I would add too, is I think, you know, when you act from a place of mindfulness and again, maybe just consequential thinking we've talked about already, um, sometimes that can help you be a judge of, sort of where in the flow chart you need to be, whether you solve it yourself or you ask for help. Um, you know, a lot of times too, I think part of it is, like you said, the, the more complex the problem or the more moving parts, probably the more necessary to ask for help with it. Um, but I think too, the understanding there needs to be, 
that you're asking for help with the problem. You're not asking for someone else to solve the problem. Um, and I think that's a very tricky line too sometimes is right. that essentially you're fake delegating um, and then they don't want to help you because, well, why aren't you helping yourself? So, Yeah, and I think of really like emotional issues. So, um, you know, uh, point of fact about me, I can tend to get very down about stuff. And, and, you know, there are times like the other half of that question that you asked is when you should have others or ha get others to help you solve that. Um, there are times emotionally, and I, I really think about this now um, in that, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing like upticks in, in mental health issues and isolation. And, you know, there are some problems that are effect, they are absolutely too big to deal with on our own. And you need somebody, you know, when you get to that point where you get blue to the to the point where you just aren't even functioning anymore, you are not capable of taking care of your issue or addressing that issue. And therefore, you know, that's the thing about humans. It's, you know, we eventually sometimes, well, for the most, most of us, we need somebody who can help us pull ourselves out of a funk or to, to see sure. the world from a very different perspective where we're like, oh, but we just need that help. And, you know, I think of a time once when I was right out of uh, college, it was, I was probably in my first year of teaching, maybe my second year. And one of my really good friends told me that he was moving away from Dubuque. And this guy means, you know, the world to me. And I was really struggling with this. And um, I can remember sitting on the floor in my sure. apartment and I just completely fell apart. I had no ability to deal with this. I didn't know what to do. It was feelings I've never dealt with, you know, explicitly. And I needed, my wife was able to step in. We actually weren't married quite yet, but she was able to step in and help me through my problem. And it was really just about shifting perspective. And so, you know, it's, it's a lot, there are certain problems you do need, you do need sure. outside help for. And a lot of times we don't like to admit that, you know, we're going to solve them all, but we're not really built quite that strong, sure. or as strong as people sometimes think we are. Okay. No, so, you sure um, didn't. You sure well, didn't. I really took that on a tangent. I apologize. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So, let me throw one back at you then. What what would be an example um, of someone taking on someone else's problem? Sure. A, well, a real I life think this example sort of goes know. back to that very first question we asked of like that idea of people being fixers. Um, and, you know, I think I think to me, I'm probably guilty of this a lot um, from two perspectives. One, you know, I, I operate sometimes from the if you want something done right, do it yourself. Um and so, you know, something that should be someone else's issue. Oh, okay, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Um, or just that idea of, well, helping you isn't taking that much more time out of my day. And so, sure, I can I can do that for you, that sort of thing. When, again, it should have been the other person's um, um, business to take care of that issue. And so I think I fall into both of those pitfalls of um, – sometimes not wanting to to give the task to someone else because they won't do it quite the way I would do it and, and fooey on me because if there's not a wrong way to do it, then what does it matter? Um, and then other times too, I think, like I said, I just, 
why burden someone else if I can just go ahead and, and, and get it done, even when they should have been getting it done in the first place? Um, sure, sure. Okay, so can I push a little on this one? Um, so do you think there are people out there who would take advantage of somebody like you then who would say, oh, for sure. oh, for well, sure. I'm just going to do um, it myself? You know, and I think that sort of is the downside to to being someone like that is that it doesn't take other people long to figure out, oh, geez, well, if I just if I just act as the squeaky wheel or if I just act incompetent, then then Kevin will just take the task on because, you know, he'll just do whatever. <laughs> uh, no, I, I and I think I think that that is a very easy yep. position to take advantage of someone when when they either have the energy or the aptitude or just the desire to continue to to get things done that other people are, are, can be very quick to say, okay, well, fine. Then just if you, while you're doing that, you may as well just do this too. Cause it's, it's the same thing. Um, so no, I, th I think that that is an unfortunate byproduct. Yeah. And I think when, when people who like to help or, or do help um, realize they're being taken advantage of, you know, that's a huge, huge moment in that person's life because if there wasn't any kind of wall up before then there sure as heck is a wall up from that point on. Um. <laughs> absolutely and i think it helps those people who you know if if you're just going to take it on and do it your way it actually then if i'm a person who wants to take advantage of that i can absolve myself of any sure. fault that well i wanted to do it but you know kevin took it over and did it and so any fault sure. from that's going to fall on him and not necessarily me. I did just, just, sure. it reminds me a lot of, oh, yeah. of group work, like in a college or, <laughs> you know, where you get your certain partners and you're like, Oh my God, you know, I'm going to be doing this whole thing myself. And, and that other yeah. partner might be thinking, awesome. I'm not going to have to do a thing in this activity, you know, because it's yeah. going to get no, done. Wrong. Cause this and I, and I, I know that I've, run. I, you know, I, I, I know that I have been the victim of that and I'm sure when I was in group projects, I, you know, you, you realize sometimes who the, who the excited and overachieving people are when you don't feel like being that person. And you can very easily say, well, you know, you, know, you work with that guy. Maybe you can, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think I've, I've, I've been on yep, both sides. Absolutely. Of that coin. <laughs> well, okay. So fine. So, you know, we talk about people stepping in and, and, and helping. Um, but what about, what are your thoughts on, on, someone that's like that likes to be in the middle of a problem or like someone who just always seems to be in the middle of drama. What do you think about that? You know, I think I truly believe some people thrive on this, that, um, you know, it's that idea that you always want to be in the know um, that, that you, whether or not, you know, both sides of an issue, you decide to insert yourself in it. Um, and, and this is it. You know, I think people who do this, and I honest to heaven believe that almost every single one of us can be guilty of it, um, that we go in there with this like savior complex that we're going to solve the whole thing. In reality, we kind of light it all on fire because we're trying to be this this filter between two people. And I'll tell you, as a middle school teacher, I saw this constantly with um, you know, 12 and 13 year olds who would be like a go to between these two explosive parties 
Um, and as they're doing this and they're they're taking a message from party uh, A to party B, they're changing the message in their head, delivering a new one to party B, who then responds differently. And, and so the message gets really destroyed sure. um, or convoluted. You know, you play that telephone game where and how does the message change? And I I think that, you know, um, I think this happens a lot that, you know, we try to, if we have a best friend group, if there are three of us and, you know, I'm going to be that go-to to mend ways and, and keep everybody happy. And the problem with that is I'm never sure. allowing that sure. problem to be addressed the way that it should be addressed. And I'm complicating it by being a part of it. And, and it's, it's, we may think it's like this saving thing that we are, we are just hold, the glue that's holding everybody together. But in reality, all we may be doing is um, sort of pushing back or delaying yeah. um, how that problem is resolved. And frankly, there are people out there who hate conflict and they will stop it no matter what they can do. And so there's a reason, though, that conflict exists and there's a reason that we have to be able to process through it. And so constantly burying nope. the issues, you know, that doesn't go anywhere well. I mean, that's just going to turn into yeah, a nightmare sure. situation when it finally Good. comes. Good. Wow. Well, that was a, a, an awesome talk, I think. What, um, let's, put, let's put a bow on this. What are, if you had to boil this whole chat down to a, a thought or two, uh, how would you elevator speech this? So my elevator speech for this is truly that, you know, in order to be someone who can own problems, you have to be reflective and aware of your presence and the presence of other people at that moment, that you have to know when it's something you need to act on, when it's something that you need to step back from, when it's something where you need to listen more than you do anything else. And I think if people really can get to that point where, they understand that maybe if I just tweak my perspective even a tiny bit, that the the reality of who owns that problem will become even more apparent. It, it could be easier to actually solve, and we could resolve so many things before they actually yeah. came to a head to a point where. Well, you know, I, I hate to sound like a broken and record, so what about but you? I think you know the the two pieces that problem ownership boiled down to our accountability. I started talking about that at the beginning. So that idea of, again, being accountable for our own decisions and knowing that that consequences come from that. And then again, you know, the, the, the listening to learn, you know, I think especially when it comes to problem ownership and, and trying to solve problems, it's so, so important to, to listen to the entirety of, of what's going on. Um, and I think for, for people who like to fix, and, and I'm sure I've been guilty of that um, in the past too, you just are looking for the main idea to get to it. Um, and and I, have, I have worked really hard since, since I've moved into higher education to let a student or a colleague or an administrator say everything they need to say before I step in, because, you know, there can always be that curveball at the end or, or, you know, that secondary point at the end that changes the whole meaning of the, the, the mission. And so, you know, those are the two things that I always try to keep in mind when it comes to problem yeah. ownership is that accountability piece and then just making sure I'm listening to learn. And I know, you know, you kind of brought up that whole idea of being in higher education. And 
one of the things I've always struggled with as a teacher is when you know the problem solely rests with the student. Like sure. they have that old adage, you made your bed sleep in it kind of thing. And But at the same time, you know that deep down you just want to help. You know how you could make this better. You know how you could relieve that tension, that stress. And yet it's so hard to do that sometimes. But in our profession, we are trained and conditioned sure. to be, you know, I'll let me help you. Let me help you through this. And sometimes the best thing we can do is to acknowledge their issue yeah. and to say, and I believe you have it within oh, you. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I struggle with solution. If you give a man God, a fish, hard. <laughs> he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. It's like. Yeah, you're right. You want to continue to give that fish, but if you don't ever let that that person go through those bumps on their own, how are they going to do it when you're not in their life anymore? Well, good. Well, now it's your turn, listeners. We Absolutely. want to turn our, our prompt on to you here. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and so what we want you guys to focus on as you respond to us is, in the beginning of the talk, we talked about the the, the me problem, the you problem, the we problem, and the no problem. We'd love to hear some examples in your own lives um, in whatever context and whatever hat that you wear, share an example for each of those, and then talk about what the result of that problem was. You know, how'd you work through it? And what was the result? Uh, as always, you can send those responses to our podcast email address, howyoufeelingpodcast at gmail.com. How, the letter U, feelingpodcast at gmail.com. And you can always tweet at us on Twitter at H-U-F podcast. We love interacting with you both places. And I'm going to just take a quick second to make a pitch. Um, if you all have been listening to us and you've enjoyed what we've had to say, or you've learned something, or, or you've just nodded along in agreeance, uh, or even if you completely disagree with what we're saying, we would be so, so honored if you would share our podcast with someone who maybe hasn't listened to us yet. You know, I think it's a it's a passion project for both Dr. Haverland and I, um, and and certainly we we thrive on feedback, and we want to make this podcast better and more rich for you all. Uh, and so, if you're a regular listener, we'd really appreciate if you sent the link for the episode that you listened to to someone who hasn't listened yet, just so we can get uh, some more ears on what we're doing, and so that we can make the product better for you all in, in the long run. Uh, so, any final thoughts before we wrap up, Jeff? All right. How can they reach out no, to you think, if uh, the listeners want to reach out to you on well, social media? So I'm good. So and they can reach uh, they me, can on me on Twitter, Twitter at KP Katani. And what about so you? for all of us here at the podcast? Thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember, please, to take care of yourself. Remember to take care of your loved ones. And as always, thanks for listening to How You Feeling.